0: Welcome to this week's episode of Free Circle Freedoms. I'm Ed Waters, your host, and this week we dive back into the readings of Visualized American Government, 1964 edition. In this week's episode, we will be discussing the two-term tradition, also the Electoral College as the rubber stamp of the majority party. Let's not hesitate or waste any time and get right into this week's episode. The Two-Term Tradition The Constitution states that the President shall serve for four years, but is silent on the subject of re-election. Washington, after serving for two consecutive terms, wished to retire to a private life and refused to be a candidate for a third term. Jefferson followed his example, as did Madison and Monroe, presumably for the purpose of setting a precedent which would help prevent our democracy from being transformed into a monarchy or a dictatorship. For nearly a century and a half the two-term tradition was as firm of a principle as our government was. General Grant was the first president in our history to seek the nomination for a third term. After have served two complete terms and Grant went down to defeat at the Republican National Convention of 1880. Theodore Roosevelt, after serving as chief executive for nearly two terms, sought the presidency in 1912 as the candidate of the newly formed Progressive Party. He was unsuccessful. The first clean-cut presentation of the third term issue in the voters occurred in 1940, when the Democratic Party nominated Franklin D. Roosevelt for a third term. Roosevelt's election to the third term, and then to the fourth term in the midst of war against the Axis powers, was considered by many to have shattered the third-term tradition. Proposals for a constitutional amendment limiting the President's term of office were advanced repeatedly in Congress. Not until 1951, however, did such a proposal become part of the Constitution. Before we carry on with this week's episode, there's two quick things here. First of all, I'd like to send a thank you out to James Garland over at TooleyLakeNews.com for an excellent program over at the park yesterday. Not many people are getting out and about like James Garland. What you do matters. I will be doing a special episode of Free Circle Freedoms later on today about Mr. Garland and what he's got planned and what he's got going on. Also, another kick out here for Anchor. Listen to this real quick, if you will, before we carry on. The Electoral College as the rubber stamp of the majority party. On election day every fourth year the qualified voters in each state cast their ballot for a slate of presidential electors. Each party has nominated a slate of electors equal in number to the total electoral vote to which the state is entitled. The group of electors receiving the highest number of popular vote is considered elected. The framers of the Constitution, and also the Congress which proposed the 12th Amendment, intended that the electors should exercise their judgment and elect the president and vice president But since 1796, this indirect method has been a meaningless formality. The electors nominated in every state by each political party are pledged to vote for the candidate selected by their party's caucus or national convention. The victorious slate nearly always cast the unanimous electoral vote for its state, for these candidates. This is an unwritten law which has been broken only on rare occasions. In the election of 1820, a Democratic elector failed to cast his vote for James Monroe, his party's nominee. Allegedly, because he felt that no president, save Washington, should have the honor of a unanimous electoral vote. When the voter casts their ballot for the Democratic or the Republican slate of electors, they automatically know that they will be in reality voting for the Democratic or the Republican nominee for President and vice president. The operation of this unwritten law has made the actual system of electing the president quite democratic. It explains also why the nation knows who has been elected president a few hours after the balloting has been completed, even though the electors who have been chosen are not scheduled to meet in their respective state capitals until the middle of December. And that's going to be a wrap for this week's episode of Free Circle Freedoms. I hope you enjoyed the read this week. And join us next week when we dive back into Visualized American Government, 1964 edition. We will be covering the President's Cabinet, also District Residents. I would like to remind you about our other show over at deadamerica.website We have been doing a series on FDR We are doing part 2 for Wednesday If you haven't, go catch up on part 1 It was a great episode I hope you like, share, and subscribe over there also And hey, go over, check out tullelakenews.com James Garland, he's doing an excellent thing, and he's looking for some sponsorship, people. Let's get him some gas for his going. James Garland, out and about, TuleLakeNews.com. Go check him out. Ed Waters, Free Circle Freedoms, out.